0: Hey, I wanna give you a huge welcome to Icon Church today and I wanna welcome you to the message. I want to start by giving a shout out to all our campuses from Icon Church. Chesterfield, Derby, Sheffield, Rotherham and Stocksbridge and also our online campus. We're all online at the moment. But I also wanna say today if you're new, if this is your first time connecting with our church, I want to just say a huge welcome or maybe you've been connecting over a few weeks but you've not got in touch with us yet, we'd love to connect with you and we'd love you to connect with us so that we can get to know you better. And anyone that does that today, we will send you a free gift. The word that God's put in my heart today, I've entitled The Blessed Life. And I don't know about you, but when I think of blessing, when I think of faith, If I was to think of a Bible character that captures both of those subjects, apart from Jesus, it would be Abraham. And so therefore in a moment, I'm gonna turn to Genesis chapter 12, which is the start of the Abraham story. But actually I've, I've written a personal summary of Genesis chapter 12. It's not long, it's quite simple. It goes like this. The Lord said to Abraham, go. And Abraham went. And so it begins. Why don't we turn actually to Genesis chapter 12 and read the first four verses just to get us in to our message today. And you'll see that summary. It says this, Genesis 12one to four, it says, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What incredible words they are. Here we have God's promise to bless Abraham, but also his promise that through Abraham, all peoples, all nations, all humans eventually would be blessed as well. You know, Abraham was going to become the father of a tribe. And 4,000 years ago in the ancient Near East, Your tribe was your family, your bloodline. It was your home, your identity. Your tribe was everything, and everyone belonged to a tribe. You worked for the well-being of your tribe, as did everyone else. You accumulated possessions, you fought battles, you made alliances, all so that your tribe could survive. And if you did something unacceptable, something shameful, it reflected poorly, badly on your tribe. According to our story in Genesis chapter 12, God caused a man called Abraham to be a father, the leader of a new tribe. Later, Abraham would have his name changed to Abraham and he would have many sons and many sons had father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you, so let's just, sorry, I couldn't resist. If you missed that moment, if you didn't understand what was going on, you're blessed. You see, God promised Abraham, that if he would obey him, that if he would follow him, then all nations, all peoples, all tribes would be blessed through him. Tribes at that time existed just for their own well-being and preservation. This tribe, this new one that Abraham would be the father of, was going to be different. This tribe would not just exist to preserve itself, but this tribe would exist to bless others. Now that was a brand new idea this was a revolution in the making this was the beginning of God's plan to change the world as the tribe of Abraham the family of Abraham grew they carried with them and still do today a sense of calling a sense that they are different that they've got a unique place a unique part and a unique role to play in the world If we were to read Genesis chapter 6 to 11, the few chapters before Genesis 12, we would discover the story of how humanity at that time is going in the wrong direction. That people are living with hatred, living with murder, living in sin, living with a disregard for God, for who God is, and they're not following his ways. We could say it like this, that humanity as a whole is moving at breakneck speed toward disaster. And how do you change that? That's a great question. How do you change that? You start a new tribe. As well as what I've already said, every tribe would have its own gods and goddesses, forces that they followed and worshipped, forces they believed would protect them and guide them. So that when you went into battle against another tribe, usually that was for land or to, to access resources and wealth. When you were doing battle with that tribe it was seen that your God was doing battle with their God and when you won you wiped them out and you took their stuff. Why? Because if you left some of them alive and they then later banded together, maybe the son of a king you killed was their leader and he came to get his revenge, if you lost he would wipe you out. You just couldn't risk it. You see, some people ask, why is the Bible so violent? Well, 4,000 years ago, it couldn't be anything else. Or maybe you didn't wipe everybody out. You just killed the men and you took the women and the children, or the donkeys, whatever else you wanted. You took all of that for yourself. These were called the spoils of war. And actually, there were rules about how all this worked. Because tribes have been doing it for this way, doing it this way for a very long time. Brutal, isn't it? Violent, absolutely. Primitive, of course. Barbaric, totally. You see, your tribal identity wasn't just about your bloodline and your gods. It was about your safety. This world was a dangerous world. This world was violent and without the protection of a tribe you could easily find yourself enslaved by another tribe or even something worse. This was far more serious than we could ever imagine. Your survival was at stake. When you read those Old Testament stories about so-and-so accumulating so many fighting men and having all these swords, horses and camels uh, or somebody making an alliance with a king, you know this wasn't a hobby. This was life or death. It was kill or be killed. And no matter how many battles you fought and won, you were always potentially just one battle away from the enemy crushing you and wiping you out, wiping out your entire tribe, your entire people group, your entire family. So it's into this world at this time that we read the story of a man (coughs) called to be the father of a new nation, a new tribe. One that would exist not just to preserve its future, a tribe that wouldn't just uh, exist to preserve its its existence, but one that would have a much higher purpose. And that purpose would be to bless others. That's the story of Abraham's tribe, also known as Israel. And I wonder this morning, (coughs) if you can see how radical this idea was, Can you see how this idea would would have taken a while to catch on? Can you see how difficult it would have been to make a kind of leap in this culture where tribal affiliation and preservation was the highest value? And can you see that no matter how much you've been told about who you are and what your calling was, you would always have this filter, this lens through which you looked at the world and it meant that you'd be afraid that the tribe next door was only one battle away from crushing you. This is the beginning of Abram's story. So how's this going to happen? How's this new idea going to catch on? How's this new type of tribe that isn't going to just exist for itself, but will actually fulfill this calling, will exist to bless others? How's this going to catch on? I'm so glad you've asked that question this morning because if you hadn't asked that question, I wouldn't have a message to share today. I'm glad you asked the question today in Stocksbridge, come on, in Rotherham, in Derby as well. You see, if Abraham, and not just Abraham, if you and me are going to be a blessing to others, if we are going to help other people flourish in life, then we have got to learn to be blessed ourselves. We need to live the blessed life. And that's exactly what God says to Abraham in that promise in Genesis chapter 12 that we read earlier, verse two, he says this, God says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. We say it like this, don't we? We're blessed to be a blessing. And so before God says to Abraham, I'm going to make you a blessing to others, God tells him I'm going to bless you. And this is so important. Because you see, you wouldn't go to a bad mechanic to fix your car, would you? I mean, you wouldn't take your car to a bad mechanic. In the same way, only a, a good mechanic can fix your car, a blessed person can bless others in the very same way. But you know, so often in life, we take advice or we follow people or we follow our culture knowing that the story, their story, isn't a good one. We listen to toxic people and then we wonder sometimes why we're depressed or we're full of anxiety. I mean you wouldn't. You wouldn't go to a bad mechanic and you wouldn't go to a bad surgeon for an operation. Like you know when you're on the operating table and an operation's about to happen all you want to know is that this person, this man or this woman, knows what they're doing. Like, just imagine this again, you're there. You know you're being prepped for theatre and you're on the operating table and you're just about to go into theatre and you ask the attendant who's with you and you say, hey, you know, Mrs. So-and-so who's doing this operation, has she done this operation before? Oh yeah, they replied. She's actually done this operation. She's actually done this operation 20 times and five people have lived. What, you say? Just five? I mean, you'd stop, wouldn't you? You'd stop, you'd stop the operation right there. But so many of us, so many of us don't get to that place of understanding that to be a blessing to others, we've got to let God show us how to be blessed ourselves. I will bless you God says and so this morning I want us to consider that that blessed life and I want us to consider just two aspects of Abraham's life that put Abraham in a place where God could bless him and if God could bless Abraham then Abraham could bless others and I don't know about you that I want to be in that place don't you where God can bless me that's where I want to be. I don't care who's for me. I don't care who's against me. If God is blessing me, I'm okay. Who's with me on that? It doesn't matter who speaks well of me. It doesn't matter who rubbishes me. It doesn't matter what people say about me. On social media, if God's blessing, if God's hand of favor is upon my life, if God's hand of favor's on my family, I'll take that. Because you see, the voice you believe will determine the future you experience. And so what I'm encouraging you today is to believe that the voice of God to believe the voice of God when he says I will bless you that if you will position yourself and I will position myself if you will position yourself God says where I want you I will bless you that doesn't mean that your life will be perfect or my life will be completely trouble-free it doesn't mean that we'll never experience chaos or hassle but it does mean that God will bless us in every season of our life. And so I've got two aspects, just two from the life of Abraham I want to share with you. Are you ready for them? Are you ready for them today in Chesterfield? Are you ready for them in Stocksbridge? Are you ready for them in Derby? Are you ready to receive? Because my calling today, I believe God wants me to do this today, to put you in a place where you can receive the blessing that God has for you so that you can be a blessing to others. So two things, here's the first, Abraham obeys God's call. God says, go, Abraham went. Abraham positions himself for God to bless him so that he can be a blessing to others by obeying God's call. You know, when we read about Abraham and the Bible tells us Uh, that in this moment, we can read about it in Hebrews chapter 11 actually. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 8 and 10 tell us that in this moment when God says go, Abraham doesn't know where he's going. But God said go and Abraham went. He obeyed God's call. You see, maybe there's an elephant in the room today. Maybe there's something, an elephant in your life that you're, you're not talking about, you're not mentioning, you're not thinking about. Maybe there's something that God is asking you to do and you're not doing it. And I want to say to you today, I want to, I want to say, you know, I'm not a confrontational type of preacher, but I want to say to you today, if God is speaking to you about something, then now's the time to do it. And, and if God is speaking to you and you're not doing it, you're not going to be in a position to receive the blessing that God has for you. Yes, you'll know God's love, and you'll know God's presence with you. But if you're going to be blessed in the way that you can bless others, and if you're going to be blessed the way that God truly wants to bless you, you'll need to obey God's call upon your life. I don't know what the elephant in your room might look like. You know, our stories and our journeys are all unique, and we're all different. But in my life, you know whenever there's been this stumbling block for me you know it's been about discipleship and following Jesus it's been about letting Jesus lead me correct me change my thinking change my attitude change change my walk with him maybe there's something in your life and you've just kept saying to God we're not going there we're not we're not dealing with that God And like I said, we're all different, a little bit different for every person. But Abraham went there. God said, leave your family, leave your land, leave your possessions and go. Abraham went there in obedience to God's call. He didn't know where he was going, but he went there. Let me read the verses verses I mentioned from Hebrews chapter 11, 8 and 10. This is verse eight. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. I mean, how amazing is that, that God can speak and you don't know every detail, you've not got everything worked out, but you just follow, you just go. I wonder, can God speak to you? Can God speak to you and you not be certain, and you not be in control? But you respond anyway? Like Abraham, that you obey the call that God has for your life? That was verse 8. But what about verse 10? It says this For, talking about Abraham, for he was looking forward to a city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He was looking forward to a city. You know, when you obey God's call, whatever it is, it comes with a vision. Because to accomplish the impossible, you have to see the invisible. And Abraham could see that God would do something in his life, I don't know how he could see it, but he could see it that God would do something in his life that would make him a blessing. He was living in one place and God said go, and he was going to travel through wilderness places, he was going to face many, many troubles and obstacles, many problems, but he had this vision that God was going to do something incredible in his life. Come on, somebody. I hope you've got a vision that God is going to use you. And you know, when you obey God's call, it comes with a vision. It comes with the sense that as I obey God, whatever happens, whatever comes against me, then God will do something significant in my life. Come on, somebody, give God thanks for that. It comes with this idea that God's in control. God's got this. James, the brother of Jesus. I I love James. I I love him because he didn't believe in Jesus. Um, James didn't become a follower of Jesus till after Jesus had been raised from the dead. In fact, the Bible tells us that James was one of Jesus' brothers who thought he was mad, crazy at times. It's in the Bible that it tells us that. But James writes a book in the New Testament. It's called James. It's named after him. And he says this about this idea. James 2 and verse 17 says, Faith without works is dead. You see, Abraham could have had faith. He could have said, oh, I believe it. I believe it. I believe you're going to bless me. He could have said, I feel it, brothers and sisters. I feel it. But never gone. And if he'd have never gone, he'd have never seen the story unfold and God do everything he promised. And that's the same for us. We can say we believe God is almighty. We can say we believe that God is impeccable. God is omnipresent everywhere. And that God is omniscient. He knows all things and still not go. But Abraham obeys God's call. I want to ask you a question this morning. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer to plant something or to weed? Do you prefer to plant a garden or to weed the garden. Well, here's the truth. The truth is you've got to have both. You've got to have faith and you've got to have works. I want you to think of two pizza toppings. Come on, two pizza toppings that are brilliant on their own, but you put them together and they're horrible. Can you think about that? I wonder if anybody can come up with, who's gonna come up with the best? Two pizza toppings that are awesome when they're on their own but put them together and they're horrible. Well, you've got to have faith and you've got to have works. And maybe we could say today that faith is that vision, that sense of where God wants us to go. But we've also got to have obedience. We've got to be able to see and we've got to be able to do. And James tells us that if we miss the doing part, if we miss the going part, it's dead. It's faith without works. Remember our summary? The Lord said to Abraham, go, and Abraham went. And by going, Abraham positions himself for the blessed life. So you can have the right passion, but the wrong expression. Let me say this again. You can have the right passion, I believe it, but the wrong expression, not going. So that's the first point. And how are we going to apply this first point in our lives today? Well, I want to suggest that maybe there's been an area in your life and, and you've been thinking, God, we're not going there. But today you go there. Just like Abraham, you go. It might be a relationship. It might be something to do with a relationship. And God's been speaking to you and saying, You need to sort that out. And you go there <coughs> at last. Maybe it's got something to do today with forgiveness. And, and you've, you've been struggling to forgive. But today you go there. You go to that place of releasing. Forgiveness. Maybe it's something else, and you know, you know what it is today. You know that God has been on your case saying, Do this, and you've not done it yet. Forgive, go, whatever it is, go there. Because that will position you to be blessed by God. And when you're blessed by God, you're in a place where you can be a blessing. It might be serving today. Maybe God's been on your case about serving. Maybe you used to serve, but you stopped serving for some reason. Come on, come on. Today's the day for you to go there. Don't let it be the elephant in the room. Don't let it be the thing that you're ignoring. Don't let it, don't let it be the thing that stops you getting under the blessing of God. What about giving? Maybe that's been something God's been speaking to you about, but you've not got there. Today, it's the time to respond. The Lord said, go to Abraham. And he went. That's the first thing. The second and final thing I want to share with you today from the life of Abraham is this thought that Abraham gives God his best. Abraham gives God his best. You know, we see this in the life of Abraham, in him responding to the call like we've just say, said, but we can also see it throughout Abraham's life. He's willing to trust God so much that he continually seems to give God his best. And even though at time that costs him, and even though it can be a sacrifice for him, he gives God his best. He never gives God mediocre. He never gives God second best. He always gives God his best. And he gives God his best so God can bless the rest. Come on, somebody. Let's think about this together. Give God your best so God can bless the rest. It happens for Abraham with his his nephew, uh, a guy called Lot. When Abraham and Lot have a dispute, when they say the flocks are getting too big, we're prospering too much and our workers can't live together on this land. And so Abraham, I mean, Abraham is the father, right? He's the leader of this new tribe. And Abraham has the right to say, well, I'm going to take the best land and you can have all that scraggy land over there. You can have that desert land over there. You go that way where it's barren. But no, Abraham trusts God more than that. He says to his nephew, you can take the best. It's like a sacrifice. You can take the best. I'll trust God with the rest. Then there's this one instance, actually in chapter 14 of of Genesis. And uh, I wanna draw your attention to it today because Abraham is undergoing at this point many challenges in his life. Um, In chapter 14 of Genesis, Abraham is facing opposition again. It happens a lot and uh, he actually is coming into a battle, tribes fighting once again. And these kings, several kings come together and unite and come against him and they have a battle but Abraham wins the battle. And as I said at the beginning of the message, this is a big deal because if you lost this battle, your enemies would crush you and your tribe would be finished, your family would be finished. It was life and death, kill or be killed. And Abraham wins the battle. And after the battle, this happens. It's Genesis 14 and it's verses 18 to 20. It says this, then Melchizedek, King of Salem. Salem, by the way, means peace. And Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Melchizedek, this figure, is a representative of Jesus, a representative of God. It says, Then Melchizedek, King of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Are you getting the picture? Getting the picture of this godlike figure? He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God most high, the creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hands. And then the end of this verse, just look at what it says. The end of this verse, it says, Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Did you see that? Abraham tithed, gave him a tenth. You know, as followers of Jesus, as disciples, we still believe in tithing. We still believe in giving God the first and the best. We do it not because we have to, we do it because we want to. Just like Abraham, he didn't have to, but he wanted to. And when we do it, we do it because God promises that when we do that, he can bless the rest. Abraham gives God the first and he gives God the best. You know, the tithe means a tenth and and we believe that when we bring that to God and we offer that to God, we believe that when we do that, that God positions us for blessings in our lives. You know, I remember, and I'm going to recreate a moment that we had some years ago in our church. I remember when my friend Jeff Letts came. I don't know if anybody in the chat can remember this. I'm sure Gavin can remember it because he was part of the illustration. But Jeff is Jewish and um, he talked about this as part of their culture and their life. He's Jewish, but he's also a follower of Jesus. And he, I don't know if you remember, but him doing this illustration, he took a baguette and he said, this is our life, this is our finances, this is our money, and it all belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. But he said, God just asks for a tent a tithe. God could ask for it all, but he just asks for a tithe. Everything belongs to God. He could ask for everything, but he just asks for this. And God says, if you give me the best, then I'll bless the rest. You know, so many of us wait to give God what's left. When we've used up everything else, when we've done everything we want to do, But Abraham did something very different and followers of Jesus do something very different to that. They give God the first and the best. You will remember that eventually, 25 years after Abraham was promised that he'd have a son, that Isaac was born. And then when Isaac is about six or seven years old, Abraham is actually willing to give his firstborn to God as well. You see, 4,000 years ago, it was a different time and And uh, things like that might happen. And we should be careful how we judge people who lived in a different time, by the way. Because had we lived then, we might have done the same. And you know how I know that? Because we did. And we did do those things. But what you see in these stories is Abraham's willingness to give God the first and the best, to give God his son because he trusted God's character. I wonder whether you and I are willing to give God the first and the best today. Are we going to just keep giving God the scraps? Are we just going to keep giving God the leftovers? Or are we going to give God the first and the best? Somebody might say today, you know what, Paul, I want to. I've wanted to all my life, but I'm afraid. Listen, being brave doesn't mean that you have no fear. It means we just refuse to be overcome by fear. I want to tell you, there have been times in my life I've struggled to give to God. I've struggled to serve God. I've struggled to worship God. I've struggled to give God the things he asks for, whether that's been my life, my talents, my treasure, my money. I've struggled. I've wrestled just like you, like many of us have. But being brave doesn't mean we don't have fear. It just means that we refuse to be overcome by fear. You see, extraordinary moves of God Begin with ordinary acts of obedience. And that's what this story of Abraham is telling us. God said, go, and he went. Abraham is willing to give God his very best. I wonder if there's somebody today and you need to make a decision. Perhaps in your life, there's been places you'd never let God into, never let God go. You've been holding out and you've been saying, God, you can have so much. You can have the scraps. You can have these bits but no further, but I wonder if today the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you. You see, to encourage you to give God the best, the first and the best, so that he can bless the rest. You know, Jeff said to us in that message, he said, I'd rather have God's blessing on the 90, the 90%. I'd rather have God's blessing on the 90 than trust my power with the 100. That's exactly how I feel. This bread smells amazing, by the way. I I wanna eat it right now. Let me close this morning with a verse from Malachi 3 and verse 10 that just mentions this. It's a practical message, but it's a powerful message if you and I can get hold of it today because it will position us for God's blessing in our life. It will help us stand and step into a place where God can bless us, and if God can bless us, we can bless others. And if you want to be a blessing to your family, I want you to step into that place where God can bless you. If you want to be a blessing to your workmates, if you want to be a blessing in your community, if you want to be a blessing wherever, then I want to encourage you to be in that place where God can bless you so that you can bless others. If you want to bless our world today, oh, come on, church, then there's got to be a shift. We've got to step into a place where we let God bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. Let me finish with this verse. Last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, a prophet. Verse three, chapter three, sorry, verse 10. God says this, bring the whole tithe. Not part of it, but bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That's the church, by the way, the storehouse. God's saying, don't scatter it around all over the place. Don't put a bit here and a bit there. No, bring the whole tithe into the house of God, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there it is again, so much blessing that there will not be room enough for you to store it. My experience is this, every time I've given God the best, I've never come second. Brian Newston, the pastor of Hillsong Church, puts it this way, you never come second by putting God first. And God says to us today, God doesn't say, trust me a little. He says, trust me a lot. I've got you. Trust me a lot. And you and I, when we bring the whole tithe into God's house, that's an expression of our trust in God's character. So will you do something Will you trust God's character right now in your life, in this moment, in this season? Will you trust that God will be faithful? Will you trust that God's got you? Will you trust that what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn for good? Will you trust that God loves you and that he's with you and he's holding you? Will you trust the idea that God is for you? Come on, somebody. We need to place ourselves today in a position where God can bless us so that we can be a blessing to others and live the blessed life in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm praying for us today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit right now. Help us to position ourselves in obedience. Help us to position ourselves in total trust of your character and help us to give you the best so that we can receive the blessing that you have for us and that your blessing can spill out, pour over into the lives of so many more people. If that's you today, in all of our campuses online, in your home, wherever you're watching, you say, you know, that's me. I need to obey. I've been putting some stuff off and I've been going through the motions. I've been giving God, you know, the, the, the dregs. I need to give God the best, whatever it is. Forgiving, serving, giving all over our campuses. If that's you today, just say to yourself, that's me. Pray for me. Just say, that's me, God. I need, I need you to move today. Like Abraham, God is speaking to you. And you'll want to say today, God is speaking to me and I'm going to respond. Come on, all of our campuses, everyone watching, there's a place for you to join in right now and for me just to pray for you. If that's you, just say it in your heart, that's me. I'm stepping forward today. Father, I pray God for action. I pray that we will do what you were calling us to do. And God, I pray that every person will leave this service following your word, holding nothing back, And I pray that we'll get the vision that you have for us, that you have intended for us, so that we can make the difference that you want to make. I pray that we will step into that place where you can bless us and we can be a blessing to others, just like you intended. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, why don't we give God just five seconds of praise. Put some praise emojis, some clap emojis right there in the comments and in the chat. Just before I I go, these are holy moments. They're moments where we make decisions of faith like we've just done, and we take steps on our journey of faith. And I believe that there are people here today, and you say, Paul, I need to know God. I need to know God because I'm far from God. In fact, here's how you know if you're far from God. God seems a million miles away. And do you know today that that's the purpose of Jesus? That Jesus came to destroy that gap, that barrier between you and God so that you could be close. That's what salvation is. Salvation is being close to God. It's not perfection. It's just God in your life. God in a real relationship, a committed, devoted relationship with you. Jesus comes from God 2,000 years ago and He pays for our sin and He destroys the barrier. And for some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about today. Because it feels like there's a distance. It feels like there's a gap. It feels like there's a barrier. There's something in the way of you and God. Will you allow Jesus to take that away today? All you have to do is say yes. Right now, our hosts will put in the comments and in the chat, either a link that says raise hand or a button will be there that says raise, raise hand. And all you have to do is say yes. And if you click that button or if you click that link, that's you saying, I need God. I feel a million miles away. I'm coming to God today. Would you do that? Would you do it right now? And then there are other people watching today and you once walked with God. You once knew God. You were once close. You felt close, but you don't feel close any longer. Will you let Jesus remove that barrier for you too? Come on, it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to say yes again to Jesus. Would you raise that hand, click that link or press that button, whether you're doing that for the first time or whether you're doing it as a recommitment in your life. I'm gonna wait for you right now. I'm gonna wait for you for just five seconds And I'm saying to you, God wants to remove the barrier between you and Him. He wants a relationship with you and He wants you to have a relationship with Him. He's not inviting you into religion. He's inviting you into relationship. So come on, press that button. Click that link. Do it right now. This is your moment to say yes to God. And I know that the Holy Spirit will come and meet you right where you are. God's presence will be with you right where you are. Come on, five, four, three. 2, 1. It's not too late, even right now, for you to press that button or click that link as I pray for you. Lord, I thank you for every person who's responding. I thank you there's people right now sat at home in front of their computer, their TV, and even now their heart's beating fast. Come on, if that's you, click that link, press that button. Father, I thank you that you're drawing people to yourself, that people are coming back to you. And I pray for each and every person that your presence, your Holy Spirit will come close and they will know even in this moment that barrier, that gap being removed and you coming close to them and them beginning this relationship with you. I thank you for it in Jesus' name and everyone said amen. Come on, (coughs) church, Icon Church, why don't we celebrate all those people who've made a decision to follow Jesus or to recommit their lives to Jesus today. Come on, let's celebrate them. Let's celebrate them with enthusiasm today. It's the best decision ever. We're going to go back into a short time of worship right now and then our hosts will come and close out our service. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for listening to God's word today. Make sure that you apply it. Make sure that you respond and obey God's call and give him the first and give him the best. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church. If you'd like any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. Have the best week.